0: Welcome everybody to Overlapped by Turismo Autosports. I'm Lockie and I'm joined with Jess today. Hi. <laughs> and today we're going to be covering, going in on our first episode of our F1 podcast called Overlaps, where we go over the laps from start to finish over the course of a full race weekend, covering off all of the highlights and action from the weekend of F1 and taking a super casual approach to F1 and the sport that we really love.
1: Yeah, definitely a growing love for me. I haven't been in the game as long as Loki has, but yeah, we'll get into that later in the episode today.
0: For sure. So I guess before we, you know, run on into it and dive on into kind of our, our first episode, we'll give you guys some context around, I guess, how this all kind of, came to be so genuinely about two weeks ago i just had this idea that you know I, I was actually trying to listen to f1 podcasts and i kind of had to listen around and in all honesty i thought that you know i could contribute myself i've really enjoyed watching and listening to some other podcasts and i was like this sounds really fun i really like talking about f1 i've got a good passion for it what whether i'm not too heavily technical I know some general technical things about F1 and things like that, but I'm not overly technical about it, which I think, you know, will be fun. Take a super uh, casual approach to it. We can learn as we grow the podcast and, mm-hmm. and things like that and get some user feedback, which would be great. And uh, I thought, yeah, let's let's just start one up. And together we've got a really nice passion between the two of us of, of F1 and, and things like that. We've watched every race together. Mm -hmm. this year yes have we watched every race yes we have every race and we make sure we're watching qualifying all the time so yeah it's it's really great so from there i thought you know i was going to kind of go in solo but i know that we bounce off each other so well that i could not bring you on the podcast
1: that and also like we talk about f1 a lot and we do deep dive into like the different teams and like even the team principles and just the racetrack itself and the circuit and what's involved with that. So I think it's strategically we're like, why not just give it a go? And like, if it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere, but at least we tried, but you know, we're just two typical Australian (laughs) mid twenties, early twenties, (laughs) giving it a crack. So why not?
0: (laughs) For sure. And to give you guys some context as well from how we kind of got into F1, personally, I got into F1 mid-2020, so mid-COVID pandemic, when things were kind of shut down and the F1 season was going to get back up and running. I was like, look, maybe you might give it a watch. I'm also an avid watcher of the Australian Supercars series, the V8 Supercars, as people might like. Um, so I've watched that from a really young age and, and really enjoyed watching all of those sports categories, Tour Australia and I never really got into F1 through my younger years just because it was on really late at night for us Australians. Like last night for us to watch Belgium, we had to get up at 11 p.m. Yeah. Had a little nap in the afternoon <laughs> and, we, and we got back up to watch the race. Um, you know, as you're older, you know, things like that just a bit easier. <laughs> but when you're a bit younger, it was, it was a bit hard for myself. But now that I'm a bit older, I've understood it a bit more. It's really intriguing and I definitely probably am more avid watcher of F1 than supercars now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to get back into supercars a bit more. I really, really still love the supercars series and I want to do some episodes and podcasts on, on supercars as well because I think it's a super underrated sports category
1: mm-hmm. for,
0: for the globe. Um, the differences and the super cool technicalities and um, the uniqueness of that category is, is really, really cool and it's so Aussie, so... Um, doing some episodes about that would be great. But got into F1 around 2020, really enjoyed watching those races during COVID. And it was nice to watch some really cool, high competitive sport during COVID Mm -hmm. and getting F1 back up and running and and watching. uh, It was the first round I generally watched. I think it was at the Red Bull Ring. It was the first like return race for 2020. Um, Followed it all through for a couple of years. And then, um, yeah, I met you. And Mm -hmm. now we're just kind of F1. Yeah,
1: Yeah. that's it. I mean, for me, like my side of it is that I never honestly watched any motorsport races. Obviously, I was more of a netball girl myself, but um, and rugby a little bit. But realistically... You'd always hear on the news about you know the honey badger Daniel Ricciardo you know taking one for the Australia you know sports you know in F one and you'd always hear about Lewis Hamilton winning the world championships but you know that was like behind my brain a lot until I met Lockie you know I realized his passion for F one was really intriguing and that's what got me into liking the sport and educating myself bit by bit again I'm not fully technical and I still have to ask Lockie a few things but I've wrapped my head around the general logistics of F1 and you know typically watching Drive to Survive on Netflix a blessed blessed documentary series (laughs) Um, but you learn a bit from that and I guess that's I think majority of the demographic for F1 and how they became to love the sport as well. Like there'll be people from who's watched it a lot earlier in life, you know, but for us, generally speaking, Drive to Survive was a huge hit for us. And, you know, that helped us like understand the principles behind F1 and just Form that love for it
0: so yeah. it's been it's been massive for the sport yeah like the amount of new fans that it's gained
1: oh yeah
0: has been just incredible um and it helped me get convinced you to come to melbourne with me earlier <laughs> yeah. this year to go watch the Grand Prix, it. which was great um and i think that's what really got yourself hooked as well you mm. kind of went to the race and went oh like this is this is what it's about this like, is what it crazy is crazy cool yeah yeah.
1: And I think, you know, we can talk about that in another episode um, about Melbourne and our experience. So you can hear it first here, like <laughs> what we what what it was like yeah. and what we did for the day. And just hearing the sound of the cars go by was just really unreal. Yeah. Like we loved every moment of it and wasn't a dull moment for the f1
0: exactly and now i think we've just started like a recurring holiday yeah for each other each year like we'll have to go yeah every year, which is great and
1: i mean one of our main goals is to eventually travel overseas and watch one from another country which would yeah. be epic that to would do. be awesome
0: that would be genuinely awesome so that's a bit of our background and, and history for f1 and and things like that, but like we were talking about before, this is Overlapped, so then, Overlapped will be the podcast where we wrap up a race weekend from start to finish, cover everything from free practice to qualifying and to the race in itself, talk about what we thought was really interesting, discuss the highlights and really break apart the race down into micro bite-sized chunks, or just talk about some very interesting things that we thought about the race mm. and what transpired across the weekend. Uh, who we thought the best driver was across the whole weekend, and who we actually thought was the worst driver for the weekend as well. Um, and as we go through, I'm sure we'll make more segments and things like that, or, or segments or whatever, in air yeah. quotations, but um, which would be fun. So to kick it off, the only thing that I really wanted to discuss, because from free practices this week, Mm -hmm. um, the first two practice sessions were, were pretty straightforward. I I watched the highlights and things like that and we, we were pretty comfortable with it. But the one thing I definitely wanted to discuss from free practice three was Charles Leclerc spinning off, uh, in his, in free practice three. Yeah. Coming off the summer break and having that disastrous spin at Paul Ricard in Paris at the last race during yes. the Grand Prix when he was leading, yes. uh, took the spin, uh, which, which allowed and pretty much gifted Max the race win. That's it. Uh, seeing that in FP3 was, was really interesting.
1: Yeah, well, luckily enough for Lockie, he was able to watch the practices. I was actually just coming back from England, so I had Lockie, you know, get me up to date with how the practices all went. Um, and yeah, just for the fact that I saw it on the F1 page on Instagram, um, on his spin in the gravel, which looked very nasty. And I believe there would be some damage to his car for sure with that kind of spin out. Um, but yeah, I worry about Charles because it's not the first time that he's done this in the last couple of months.
0: No, definitely not. I it's like he's just pushing a little bit too much. Mm. He's... Because Ferrari started the season off very well. Like I yes. said, we, we were in Melbourne. Yes. And Red Bull Max suffered the the catastroph- catastrophic engine failure. Yeah. Uh, about three quarters of the way through the race, mm-hmm. uh, which broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, yours, not so much. but broke my yeah. <laughs> heart. Um, and I was very disappointed not to see my man cross the finish line. But at that point... I was very concerned for Red Bull at the start of the year, mm-hmm. going, like, look, this could be a very hard slog. Ferrari looked very consistent. Mm-hmm. It looked like they had that that car really set up, sorted. It was planted. It looked really reliable. Uh, even though signs spun off early in that race, but um, that was Australia. You know, Red Bull have really knuckled down.
1: Oh, yeah. Head
0: down, bummer. Yeah. And started and have clawed their way back into a position where you can almost you know guarantee max and red bull the the championship
1: that's it like you know are we going to see you know round two of max getting his second world championship i think so yeah um one thing i thought about just then was that you know you said your boy your boy Max. <laughs> I think we should tell the viewers um who we really support and who do we back in F1. Cause I think that will give a bit of incitement about what we're about and
0: for sure, you know,
1: who do we support. I mean yeah, I think it's a dead giveaway who you support. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't have any posters on the wall, or I don't, no. have, any, don't have any wallpapers, or Not at all. Girlfriend
1: like didn't like, buy yeah. you a poster for your birthday. No,
0: definitely <laughs> didn't. No, um, no, I'm heavy. Oh, heavy like Max. Max is my main driver. Yes, I really do champion and back <laughs> and back Max for for the win. Um, I just really liked max's personality Mm -hmm. and his you know as christian says in drive to survive a bit of fuck you attitude to 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 driving um and the drama behind it or the bit of personality behind it as well really catapulted me to support max Mm. through through the career because i he's just a character he's kind of he's become really sensible now i feel like he's not as crazy as, he's, as he was as he was you know in parallel to where leclerc is at the moment yes i feel like you can draw a parallel line or a direct line to where max was 2 years ago to mm-hmm. where leclerc is now yeah um however max I-, I liked the underdog kind of thing like come on like you can do it you can you can beat hamilton you can yeah. get get past the seven time world champ and i you know i back behind max and now he's just become become my driver <laughs> from that really
1: He is your almighty God.
0: (laughs) Almighty Max Verstappen. (laughs) Almighty Max. But who would be yours?
1: Well, I really have always admired Checo. Checo has always been someone that I really, really root for because I admire his passion. And when he wins his races, you can just tell how much energy he has from it like to me every now and again when Max wins a race and this is something just personally for me I always find that he's always like oh yeah whatever I just want to race but like mm-hmm. when Checo wins a race you feel for him like I always feel teary kind of knowing that he wins like when he wins his race because I'm like you just tell he's put every heart and soul not that Max doesn't but it's just that you can just feel it a little bit more when it comes with Checo.
0: All of Mexico. Right behind Checo. And
1: oh, seeing his dad, oh,
0: his the dad. The proudest dad in the world. Yeah.
1: I It actually warms me so bloody much. Mm. I, I just love it. But, I mean, then again, when I first started watching, I was very drawn to Lando Norris. Mm. Uh, <laughs> But, Lando. 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 Buddy Lando. But in saying that, has he, you know, met my expectations recently? No.
0: Expect <laughs> what exp- what are these expectations?
1: To win a race yeah. uh, or yeah, to true. just be in podium style. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. not really been meeting those. Yeah. And uh a bit ironic because I think about it, with that race recently there was a statistic that came out that wasn't it every 11th race he's ever competed in he's had something wrong with his car or he had to go and pull out from the race
0: that's right it was at the red bull ring where yes. every every 11th round yes uh lando's car would fail yes I th- did he finish that race i think he finished that race
1: i think he got in there i feel like he was about 8th Place from memory or ninth place. I could be terribly wrong. Uh, my memory doesn't best serve me mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Um, we're just having a quick look now. Um,
0: Maybe Austria Grand Prix, eleventh round. Yes, he did. He, he came home in seventh. So there so you go. It wasn't he, too, he too bad. It yeah. wasn't
1: too bad. He scored points from McLaren, which is excellent. But again like recently I just I don't know. I think he's a great driver. You can tell he's a great driver, but there's just something about him recently. I don't know what it is, whether it's the car itself or maybe he's just not in the headspace for it. I don't know. But I think that's the same with Ricardo, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, I'm
0: sure we'll talk about Ricardo. <laughs> us. Oh, Honey Major. Us, Aussies. Come on, Ricardo. Come on, oh, Ricky. Jesus. All right. So with that. No, I'm kind of a Max fan, but I genuinely will back behind kind of anyone, mm, really. Mm. But Max is the main man, I guess. <laughs> main <laughs> man, Max. Main man, Max.
1: <laughs>
0: Sweet. So we, so coming off from FP3, Charles had his spin. He got back on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, the red flag was called way too early for when Charles Leclerc went off. He was in the gravel for like five seconds, and they red flagged the session, which I think was a bit premature. They got the session back underway, which was nice to see, but red flag which is called way way too early Mm -hmm. um however coming off that we were talking about charles having some large errors in his driving Mm -hmm. sometimes um like i said before drawing that parallel between max where he was two seasons ago to where uh, charles is at the moment fighting for that first championship he has the equipment to do it he's got the car underneath him. he's got the the team behind it. Well, we think he has the team. His team continues to make some bad calls. We saw Mm -hmm. in Monaco that, you know, they called him in for a stop. They said, box, box. He comes in, double stacks with signs, gifts Checo at the Monaco Grand Prix. That's right. Where... You know, Charles' home race, you'd think he'd, you'd think he'd really want that. Yeah. you think they wouldn't be stuffing that up. But I think Ferrari are sometimes their own worst enemy. They yep. have the, the equipment to do it. They just can't seal it.
1: Yep. And I think sometimes I've noted, especially with Ferrari, I feel like they have way too many strategies which it can be a fault, <laughs> like it can be a fault. Like
0: going going to plan G. It's like, like how many plans, plans are we are we sitting, sticking here? Like
1: yeah, like yeah. even just with the race itself this weekend with McLaren, like saying to Lando, we're gonna to have to go to plan G. What the hell happened with A B C D E? Yeah, like and F. How many, yeah, <laughs>
0: what, yeah like, how how do you? It's really interesting. F one strategy is really interesting. I find as well how many different you could call them use cases mm-hmm. you can you can draw upon for for a whole race weekend yeah um but it, like there are just so many plans to try and figure out where maybe that is a downfall for them that they've got so many plans happening that the drivers aren't across what they're trying to complete exactly the team aren't across what they're there's trying no to complete there's no
1: confidence from their, because their they confidence are jumping and
0: consistency and they are jumping around
1: yeah and i feel like maybe that's again a reason why lando hasn't been performing to his best because Maybe they are throwing too many strategies with between Daniel and Lando. Like maybe that's yeah. what's happening. Is like no, stay back for so Daniel can pass, or like mm. no, Daniel, let Lando pass you. Mm.
0: And I think that's, might, that's more the correct one. You know, <laughs> Daniel, let Lando pass, pass you, you. Yeah.
1: but like just lots of different strategies. Like how many tire stops, pit stops, are you gonna do? Like mm. tire changes and stuff like that, and you know, with the weather and all that. Like, I think it all plays in contribution to how everyone performs. But especially with Ferrari and Charles and Carlos Sainz, I think there is that element of there potentially being too many strategies being thrown out there. It's great that they can come up with more than one. That's great. But I think that, again, it is a downfall. And there is that miscommunication error. And I think, you know, could Charles have won a few more races? Absolutely. Um. I think, yeah, and even with Carlos, like there is that potential for him to be able to win these races more often. He is, I think, a little bit of an underdog.
0: Definitely, 100%. And when we look at the the driver standings at the moment, we can see Charles Leclerc is currently on 186 points and Max is now on 284. (laughs) That is (laughs) a 98-point difference. Charles was over Sergio Perez coming into this weekend as well. Checo's now surpassed him by three points. Oh, sorry, five points coming into the after the Belgian Grand Prix. So mm-hmm. Charles Leclerc has slid from round three at Australia in a... I think it was about a 60 or 80-point buffer to yes. Max Verstappen to now being behind Bible. after the Belgian Grand Prix by...
1: Nearly 100 points.
0: Nearly 100 points, so... Again, that comes back to that consistency that they can't seem to find. Mm-hmm. You know, to to win, you first must have to finish. Yes. To to finish first, you first must finish. So, like, Ferrari has some gremlins. They're currently, I can, I would assume they're working on them to try yeah. and fix them. Like, of course, they would be oh, for sure. Um, whether it's just about taking, you know, if if Charles, of course, he's going to fight for a victory, but could have he just maybe set maybe settled for second get more points in the bank rather than binning it in the wall? Mm-hmm. Could he be in a better points position than he was? Um, you know, not entirely sure. We can't go back and relive that reality, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll see. It makes a really interesting um, run home to the finals because it could be Sergio versus Max and we could have a Hamilton um, versus Hulkenberg uh, uh, style finish, which would be really interesting. Mm. But moving through, we'll jump into qualifying now. So. We'll go through Q1, Q2, and Q3, mm-hmm. and how each uh, section of qualifying went through. Mm-hmm. So starting off from Q1, Albon looked really impressive oh, out of the gap. Uh, Williams wow. this weekend that was that was fast in a straight line.
1: Yeah, I mean minus Goatee, but
0: uh...
1: <laughs> Goatee, uh always a king. But um, no. Alex has really impressed like we were saying this the other day is that he really impressed us like his upgrades and all of that you can tell the car has made some massive massive leaps Mm. and um yeah like he has always been you know kind of lurking in the background in you know the placements in out of 20 but I think he's slowly getting there with the more improvements in the car and him being able to handle the car itself and, you know, less understeering or oversteering happening. Mm. I think the better the drive he'll have. Like, I mean, Silverstone was a crazy race for him, anyways, with the crash. So, um,
0: yeah, you know, big I, incident. I think big incident.
1: that for him, you know, that was a big shock to everyone that that happened. But, um, yeah, I was really blown away with how he was driving the car.
0: Yeah, he he did really well. He did really well. And if we come back to see where he wrapped up in the race, Alex Albon was in the points uh, coming home in P10, uh, scoring one point for the team, which is for Williams, that's like winning the lotto, getting a P10 Mm -hmm. one point. So congratulations to to (laughs) Williams on that one and bringing it home in 10th place. But Albon looked really quick through through qualifying. Mm Mm-hmm. When we were watching as well, we noticed that Lance Stroll and the Aston Martin's looks like an absolute handful. Holy crap. To try and wrangle around that track. They were, uh, the car was not settled at all. If you put a side by side comparison between the Red Bull coming through all the corners and and Stroll, Stroll would look like he's carrying around a really hot pot, hot potato, whereas (laughs) Max was just gliding through every corner. You
1: know what I was just thinking about with Stroll with his oversteering? You know what it reminds me of? You know those um, car games in the arcade? And, yeah. you know, you have absolutely no fucking idea how to race those things and you feel yeah, like you have you to constantly turn, turn and steer the wheel vigorously. I yeah. feel like that's literally what Stroll looked like Stroll. on the weekend. And I was thinking, like, what the hell is he fucking doing with that car? Like, it just, there was no control whatsoever and it just so much oversteering. It was unreal.
0: very really, really, like, Aston Martin need to get a handle on that car, really. Mm. They brought some upgrades to a few races ago, which Mm -hmm. made it look very, very suspiciously similar to Red Bull's side pod philosophy. Um, Not the first time the Aston Martin team has done this, um, of course, but we won't jump into too much conspiracy theory around uh, Aston Martin and and the Stroll um, cheating air quotation fiascos. (laughs) <laughs> However, they just seem to not understand that car's philosophy no. and where they want to take that car forward. Mm. They've got a really good team there. They've got huge facilities coming. They've yes. got massive buildings coming. They've got a huge team behind them. They've got an immense amount of backing. And that are they cutting corners? Who knows. Lance Stroll can't get it around the corner at the moment. So <laughs> we need to they need to they need to figure it out. Mm. They need to figure it out. Um Something really sad in Q1, Valtteri Bottas got knocked out for the first time of a Q1 session since yeah. the 2015 Monaco Grand Prix. Really sad for Bottas to get that, but an amazing streak and just shows how good of a driver he really is.
1: Yeah. And it was his birthday on the weekend too.
0: It was his birthday. It was his birthday. And he, and he didn't bring it home. No. Oh, but we'll, oh. We can cover that more in the race. Yeah. Um, Sweet. So moving into Q2 now, now our Aussie, our homegrown hero- the mm. Western Australia King, the, the Yeehaw, the, the Honey Badger, Ricardo getting knocked out in Q two, so Ricardo got knocked out in Q two with uh, he came home in eleventh. So he initially was in, he initially he was through, mm. and then Alex Albon again continued Oof. to impress, yes, and knocked him out back into P eleven. So Aborn came home with a one forty five six seven five, and Ricardo came home with a one forty five seven six seven. So one hundredth of a second, really splitting them. Absolutely nothing, but Mm. those seconds can other things that win win Grand Prix.
1: Yep, that's it. And even if who was it? um, Was it Lewis Hamilton as well? Wasn't it that had something else that's right well. so
0: jumping to q3 so that was probably the biggest story from from a q2 perspective um so we had mick schumacher lance stroll joe guanyu pierre gasoline ricardo get knocked out yeah. from q2 so moving into q3 really interesting field it was nice to see you know a williams in there we had yeah. we had both alpines in there we had both mercedes in there um which was nice However, in Q3, wrapping it up. So, first of all, start off. Max was just incredibly fast. Yeah. He was fast across the whole weekend. We know we knew that he had those engine penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, flashbacks the last year with Hamilton in Brazil, starting from last, mm-hmm. going through the sprint race and winning in Brazil. Amazing. Um, but with Max performing so fast, we kind of knew that, you know, he was going to be fast on race day and he's going to have the car for him. So, Max brought home... Uh, a provisional default, I kind of guess, pole position where penalties hadn't been applied yet to the starting grid. Mm -hmm. However, the really interesting uh, call at the end of Q3 was Lewis Hamilton over the radio saying, asking uh, Bono, his engineer, um, how far he was off the pace uh, from the Red Bull. And to answer that, 1.8 seconds off the pace from the Red Bull. So Max Verstappen getting a four seven, where Lewis Hamilton got a 1454. So 1.8 seconds off the pace. And coming into the summer Mercedes looked quite strong. Mm-hmm. They seemed like they were getting the car under wraps. Mm-hmm. However, you would have to be living under a rock or not really knowing or not really kind of thinking that all the other teams were going to bring upgrades for it. You could have you saw the Red Bull at the start of the year how fast it was. Yeah. The team caught up. The other teams in the field caught up to the pace yes, of the they Red did. Bull. they did. And now Red Bull on the off-season have gone through big upgrade package and they've come back very fast. Yes. And now Mercedes are back where they were at the start of the year, 1.8 seconds off the pace.
1: Yep. And even that, um, I think even Max was saying yesterday that his car feels like a rocket ship, like, going there. And you could just see how explosively fast Max was um, even Checo, like Checo, ha- always—and I mean always—Checo mm. will provide fastest laps every now and again. But like I feel like he's always been pretty consistent throughout this season to provide fastest laps, whether that be in practice or qualifying or even in the main race. Mm. I mean, I believe oh no, Max had the fastest race this time round, didn't he? Fastest lap. Fa- fastest. Sorry, yes, fastest lap. Um, we'll have a- I think it was. Max
0: brought it home on lap 32 with the fastest lap. Yeah. He brought it home.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was really impressive. Again, like Red Bull, I think, has always been notoriously one of the teams that can be counted for the fastest laps.
0: Yeah, precisely. Um, Charles Leclerc tried to get the fastest lap yeah, at the end of the race. That, that stuffed up because they pulled him out in front of uh, Fernando Alonso. Yes. Who, Fernando Alonso will take every opportunity thrown at him. <laughs> he definitely tried to to get it done. Um, but again, Ferrari and their strategy, not going to plan. Could have they just kept Charles Leclerc out there not having to fight Fernando Alonso for that last place? We know uh, that Charles Leclerc got back past uh oh no, Fernando Alonso again one came home in front of Charles Leclerc.
1: That's it. And
0: and again losing points. Points, yep. And leaking points, valuable points. That yeah. was there was two there was two points in it. However, it just shows last year it came down to Maxim Lewis on equal points going into the last round
1: mm-hmm. for the
0: world championship. Every point matters. And again, Ferrari seemed to not not wrap their brain around that.
1: No, and I did think it was a pretty interesting strategy because the entire time I believe Charles kept saying, "I want to try to go for a one-stop strategy." And I guess again with having the multiple strategies being said and communicated to the team with Charles in specific, that's again what's happened. Like he he even asked through the race, "Like where am I going to sit win this race if I do do a two-stop?" And they said P five. And, yeah. you know, sure enough, like, yeah, P six, that's where he was at. That's fair enough. But I think what again, what really stuffed him up was going in that last minute pit stop for a soft tires just to pull out this fastest lap. And sure enough, it with that given
0: yep. it didn't Which happen. lost them which lost them points. They yep. were trying to steal a point, gain a point, point. when they lost, lost two. two.
1: They lost two points with it, really. When you think about it. Like bad call bad move
0: (laughs) very bad call but looping back to mercedes um before the race we're watching martin brundle do his fantastic uh, (laughs) (laughs) grid walk trying to find people oh my god walk around trying to find sunnies Um, uh
1: missing sunnies oh
0: hilarious um but they did an interview with toto wolf and toto said that they're lacking answers Mm. for the car and it really sounded like they were quite defeated yeah. on the current Mercedes philosophy for that car. At the start of the year, they revealed their very much unique design philosophy for that car, mm-hmm. kind of going with the zero side pods design. Mm-hmm. And it's not worked out entirely. They're still quick. They're getting results. They're very consistent. I'd say they have a very consistent car.
1: Yeah.
0: A very consistent car, but it's not fast.
1: Yeah, well... You know, a man of very little words and one expression only. He did speak a lot of volume to what happened. But really, you know what kind of vibe he was giving me? What was he giving you? Squidward tentacle vibes. Squidward. Tentacle vibes. <laughs> 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 like just super negative. Like just very like I've given up. I've given up with this life of this car. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you gotta mind my brain. But, like you just you know, like people who've ever watched SpongeBob, you gotta know that like Squidward mm. hates life. Mm. He sits there very monotoned, and you know when he does speak out, it's very like, hmm, okay, Squidward, mm. but like he's just giving me Squidward vibes. Yeah. Like, okay, like where's your passion? Where's where's that? Where's that spark of, you know... They've been
0: performing at the top of their, their game for the last seven years, and this mm. is the first season Mercedes has really had to... Plopped it. ...go against the grain and mm. really do some do some work to fight their way back up. Mm. If there's any team that can do it, it is Mercedes. Mm. They have the capabilities to do it. Um, however, it sounds like they're, they're really looking forward to next season.
1: Yeah, I think they've kind of... Like, from my perspective and understanding from that quick interview it kind of just seems like they have potentially given up with the season with this car and i think they've already got their plans in place like you said for Mm -hmm. 2023 and who knows you know what's going to happen with these cars for next season that will be really interesting like mercedes have two great drivers which is lewis and george Mm -hmm. like George, I think, will be an underdog and I think eventually, who knows? I feel like in the next couple of years he could provide a world championship thing.
0: hundred like, percent. George George is more than capable absolutely. of delivering a, a world championship to that team.
1: Yeah. And
0: I would say yeah, like that that is the best driver pairing on the grid. Yes. George has an immense amount of talent. Yes. Super consistent. Lewis, seven time world champion. Champions. You can't you can't argue with it. No. Nah. While George doesn't have a world championship no. to his name yet. Um, there are lots of drivers that don't have a, a world championship that name, but That's th- I would say that is the best driver pairing on the grid.
1: It is. I, I mean, other than Red Bull, I think though them two are great um, companionship. Like they're both team players um, and they have both got different backgrounds and different um, styles of driving, but they both u- uniquely shape each other for mm. the team. But Definitely Mercedes has got a great, great, great foundation for their pairing for their drivers. Um, you know, like if you like there is some teams there that do really feel isolated in the fact of their pairing. Like even McLaren, like personality wise, Lando and Daniel get along like a house lit on fire. But on the on the actual track, God know. No. Mm. no. You can tell there's that odd tension between them both. Like, they're both fighting for that position mm. of who is the, that quote, quote, better driver. But saying that, like you, you don't feel that presence of that tension with Max and um, Checo. Mm. It's very fair play, fair game. Um, maybe a little bit of tension when it comes to George and Lewis, you know, but it's healthy, a healthy play. Yeah. with each other but I feel like with just Daniel and Lando a bit I do feel like there is a little bit of that negative pairing going mm. on like they both are great mates to each other I say that hypothetically yeah but like yeah you do feel it with Mercedes they are a great skillful team
0: very skillful I'd yeah I so so you'd say that Ricardo and Lando have a really good relationship i I think it's a a clash of personalities. These, I think yeah. it's when two, like like a magnet, like a plus and a minus will cling mm. together. Whereas I think these are two pluses trying to mesh together and they're just missing the mark in terms of their personalities and what they're striving to, to achieve. Because I think they're both so similar yes. that it's hard for them to get along sometimes or it's hard for them to both um, kind of stay level-headed throughout mm-hmm. the team. It's a really interesting dynamic and... Coming into the start of the season or last season when uh, Ricardo first went to McLaren, everyone was like, "This is going to be the best team ever." Mm-hmm. Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo on the same team, like, look out, look out, yeah. And you know, eighteen months on, and this is the current situation. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting to watch to watch unfold. So, yeah, so that was Q three, really interesting. So from Q three, we got Max Verstappen on provisional pole with no penalties applied to him yet. Um, We then had, so we'll quickly run through the starting grid. The top 10, because it'd be really interesting to talk through this top 10 before Mm. we we get to the actual race. So the top 10, this grid started off with Carlos Sainz on pole, Sergio Perez in second, Fernando Alonso third, Lewis Hamilton fourth, George Russell fifth, Alex Albon qualifying in sixth. Very impressive. Alex Albon, Williams on sixth, crazy. Daniel Ricciardo, seventh. Keep that in mind. Daniel Ricciardo in seventh. Mm -hmm. Pierre Gasly, nine, uh, who didn't actually come to the grid. He started from pit lane. So there was even one less person in the top 10. I think it was an electrical issue for Pierre not making it to the grid. Then had Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel wrapping up the top 10. Mm -hmm. So that was a top 10 of the starting grid. And crazy start to the race. Yeah. Crazy start to the race. So if you just walk us through, we had that. Turn four incident with Ooh. with Fernando Alonso and and Lewis Hamilton. It was really interesting to watch that kind of uh, that really play out on that first lap. Um, the The race overall was hyperly entertaining. Really enjoyed watching the race. I this race had all the makings on being an absolute classic. Like yeah. it was there to be. It was there to be amazing. Having all of those drivers cop a grid place penalty, so we'll run through that as well. So we had Verstappen with a penalty. Mm-hmm. We had Charles Leclerc with a grid penalty. We had uh, Mick Schumacher. We also had uh,
1: Lando Norris. Lando
0: Norris and, and we Esteban had, Ocon. I mean Esteban Ocon. Five drivers taking grid place penalties. So when you shove the fastest people in the grid to the back,
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: going to shake things up. And it things is. are going to be super interesting. Um, and it just comes back to that age-old debate, should there be um, reverse grids, but we, we can get into that later. So um, we're currently watching the start of the race now, just from the highlights. So we can see Carlos Sainz gets an amazing start. Checo gets completely swallowed up, loses three spots straight away. Mm-hmm. Charles Leclerc has an immense gap to the lead already. He, he's gone. He's flying. Uh, they come. They're coming through Orouge now. We've got the, the, they're sorting each other out. But the real incident was down here into the the first chicane mm-hmm. past Orouge with Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton. So Hamilton's going for the move on the outside of Fernando. Fernando's blocking, which he's right to do, and Lewis just cuts back too much and launches himself into the air, effectively disqualifying him from the race, um, and Fernando being a bit upset on the radio. So. Watching that, you know, after it Lewis clearly said that he felt like, you know, he, he was in the wrong, which I think everyone can agree that mm-hmm. he's cut back way too much on, on Fernando there and Fernando's, you know, quite in his right to to take that line and, and Lewis has just cut back on on him way too much. Um, but watching that live we were we were pretty <laughs> we were pretty adamant that, that was that was crazy. Like Lewis was at least a couple meters in the air.
1: Yeah, I mean it kind of threw me back to that massive crash. I believe that was at Silverstone, wasn't it?
0: Uh, with Joe and, and Alex. Yes,
1: and, and all corner, of yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Pretty
0: was much like four cars in there. A clusterfuck of them. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous amount. Ridiculous amount. But
1: it was just scary. Like, that one was really scary. Um, You know, like, thank God for the halo. Because oh, otherwise, halo. I don't yeah. know if joe would even be alive right now
0: yeah
1: um with the way he's it's, a, um, it's
0: an absolute testament to the to the safety equipment
1: uh, absolutely and i think you know seeing that you're like oh my god is that happening again like but yeah. thank god it did not and it just was a bunny hop i mean a big it was a bunny hop a big, yeah. big <laughs> bunny hop yeah, but yeah. like yeah it was just really intense to see and i remember going <gasps> <Yeah>. but like <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think sometimes when you're in the zone too much, I think you lose that peripheral vision of your spatial awareness because you are just trying to gun for the next spot up. Mm. And I think for Lewis, that's just unfortunately what's happened. He's tried to gun it too hard and he's not watched where he was going and he's apologised to Fernando and everyone watching and he felt really bad for it happening and I'm sure he will try to watch out for the next race.
0: It was good to see Lewis kind of take the L yes. on this one yeah. and be like, look, yeah, I did stuff up and he yeah. said to himself, like, you know, Fernando's in my blind spot. I cut back too much. And mm-hmm. that was the result. Um, so Lewis wore it and he wore it well. Mm-hmm. And they moved on from there. Um, even Fernando after the race was like, you know, it was, it was a lap one incident. Like yeah. that's what happens on lap one. Everyone is jostling position for, for cause that's the easiest place to gain positions mm-hmm. and the easiest to lose, as we saw with, uh, so Parrott got swallowed by by three cars yeah. off the starting grid. It was a great opportunity for him on the outside to swoop around mm. uh, Carlos Sainz and get him into overage, but he couldn't capitalize on it. Even though Checo went on to get a really good finish in the race, mm-hmm. um, it, it's you know he's he's putting himself in more jeopardy and in more danger and giving himself more work to do by not getting a really good start. He's now got to fight through another three cars. When That's it. He's he's only behind one, so. Really interesting start to the race. Um
1: Well, funny that you say that because Checo even posted on Instagram, um, I think this morning about his race and he reflected it and he did say it was a rocky start, but a great finish. Yeah. So I think generally speaking, I think that is the general synopsis that everyone's getting is that it was a really rocky choice of how he chose to start off his race. He wasn't hot off the Accelerator. He wasn't. He wasn't really off the starting block like colour Sainz was. He had a great reflex to know when it was lights out and away to go. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So from there, the next incident in the race was with um, Ocon. Um, oh yeah. And the really interesting incident with King Latifi.
1: Ah, oh, go Tifi. Touching
0: oh. Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri did as much as he could to really avoid that um however he just ended up getting tagged by latifi and <laughs> that was the end of his day
1: tag you're it you're a beached whale brother oh
0: he was He even said i'm, I'm beached on beached all, on beach stairs on <laughs> beach stairs
1: well happy birthday to valtteri bottas yeah. get a beach while the beach trip
0: getting beached valtteri mm. um bottas beach Bottas Beach. Beach. Bondi
1: Beach? Nah, forget it. Bottas Beach.
0: Beach. (laughs) (laughs) The really interesting incident. When I was watching it back live, Esteban Ocon did take the escape road. Yeah. Which I think took Latifi uh, by surprise, which then made Latifi overreact maybe to him going wide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Latifi just gave it way too much throttle, way too much of the loud pedal. Yeah. And spun the tires on the gravel. Now, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not an F1 driver. I've never driven a a super fast (laughs) car like this. Put me in a simulator, I'll be in the wall within the first two corners. (laughs) But, you know, you're performing at this level. Um, It was really interesting to see an incident like that where Mm. just Ocon going off and coming back on the track put him at such a surprise that yeah. he was kind of sent off and ended up binning Valtteri for the whole race.
1: Well, you know what's ironic, though? Even though it wasn't uh, Esteban Ocon's fault, necessarily, Um, I always say a uh, nickname for Esteban is knock on because it's not the first... It's not the first time that... Esteban knock on has knocked mm. on with someone else, you yeah, know. Like exactly. there's been lots of times where he kind of gatekeeps the the track a bit, mm-hmm. um, but and does live life on the little edge. Mm-hmm. But saying that Latifi is king crasher of the century, like <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times that I have from the get go from me watching this year, then this season, I have rem- always seen and even on sports bet, uh gamble responsibly. Um <laughs> Gamble
0: responsibly. Um not a pro, not a plug, not sponsored. Not a, not sponsored. I mean, sports Bet reach out. Uh, <laughs>
1: sign me up. Um but seeing the fact that King Latifi himself has a <laughs> a a component of a betting option to place a bet of him crashing and it being a low dollar amount and I'm talking what about... Was the,
0: what was the payout on that?
1: I think it was one time, I f- forgot what race it was but it was I believe two dollars.
0: Two bucks for, two bucks for a Two bucks crash, crash. In the Grand Prix. In the Grand Prix. I would have loved to have seen the odds for that. Matt, one. I mean if, if, it, oh, <laughs> if I was paying high yesterday, I'm actually gutted. <laughs> I
1: was like damn but I will say he has improved a little bit. I will give him a pat on the back. I mean, he's
0: he's in Formula 1. I'm not a Formula 1 no. driver. He's done more in his life than I have. Yep. Like, that's impressive. Um, But, you know, we can provide constructive feedback where we can and, and mm-hmm. things like that where um, we just took too much of the curb. Esteban may have pushed him a bit wide
1: mm-hmm.
0: onto the curb. However, you're in control of your car. That's it. And caused an incident again and... Things like that just continue to plague the... Continue the plague. Latifi went on to to comp, to keep on racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe he finished the race, um, which was good to see.
1: Yes, he was uh, so last. I Latifi think,
0: or... came home in 11th. <laughs> huge. Actually, a genuinely huge result.
1: Oh, my word. I... Oh, sorry. That's
0: the starting grid.
1: That's, I was like, what? <laughs> I think he was last.
0: <laughs> the wrong one. Eighteen. Uh... Okay. He finished the race. He finished the race. He is in the Williams. It's not the fastest car. You would have to see how he performs in a different car. You just genuinely don't know until, you know, he's maybe in a Mercedes. You don't know, but... Oh, God. He he finished the race, to his credit. He has come a long way. He has. There's there's more to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah. But that was... A really interesting moment at the Grand Prix again at that turn four and five chicane where we just see more and more drama where we had the Hamilton and we had the Latifi incident. Mm -hmm. So from there we continued on and as we went through, Max was just flying. He was on another planet in his rocket ship, just absolutely gunning. Yeah. By the twelfth, we we, by lap twelve he was leading the Grand Prix. From P14 on the grid. Yeah. By lap 12, he was leading the Grand Prix. So, like we said before, that's more than a position per lap to get to first place.
1: That's it. And, you know, with his rocket ship, you don't need Elon Musk to make any rockets. You have it right here and there. Blasting away. You know. I thought it was unreal. Like, how remarkable it was for him to jump so many spots i mean i knew he could do it i mean he is an amazing driver he's so talented um but again speaks volumes of red bull because checo's done it and so has max like checo did it a couple of races ago where he was having some faults with his cars and i believe did he have a grid penalty at one point
0: uh what grand prix was that
1: I'm not sure, but I do remember Checo did start somewhere from the back and he jumped up to one of the top three spots I believe.
0: Uh, let's have a look, but continue on about Checo.
1: Yeah, just well, just for the the team, um, you know, um, Max being able to accomplish that. It just shows like everyone really what a great team and what skills they have as personal drivers, you know. And how well they handle the car and how well they read the track. Like, it is just really outstanding. But yeah, I mean, we'll find out, you know, with Checo, what happened with him. But I believe that's something that happened a couple of races ago. But Mm. it's all right. We'll find out. Um, I'm sure we can comment on it on Mm. a later note. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure about that one. Um, Again, Casual podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Max was on an absolute flyer. Yep. He flew through the field. Um, and I think it just actually spoke volumes of his maturity as a driver. Yeah. It was a really sensible drive from him. He didn't send it in some crazy corner. He didn't try and overtake people or other drivers in interesting spots. Mm-hmm. He leveraged his straight line speed and his DRS to perfection mm-hmm. uh, going down the main straights. And got the jobs done going into that four and five chicane every time, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a fantastic drive and, and brought home the Chockeys. Got the win. got <laughs> Got brought home the Chockeys and, and got it got it done. So, fantastic drive from Max and, and yeah. he did really well. Did really, really well. So, from there, like, that was in lap 12. Mm-hmm. And from lap 12 onwards, like, that was kind of race it. Like, we said yeah. at the start of the race, like the grid was really mixed up mm-hmm. there was a load of action for the first 12 laps and then it just fizzled out
1: it was full of spice like we were mm. really anticipating this really spicy race because there was that huge mix in with you know the one of our well i'd say the best drivers uh were at the back and because yeah. they chose to upgrade their cars, which is totally fair enough. You need to keep I upgrading. I think it was
0: uh, engine penalty, power unit penalty. For I them. think like, so. In the off-season, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But it, it it's just, like, unreal that, like, it kind of – the race kind of sunk as soon as it got past lap 12. Like, you could tell who was going to win that race, and it wasn't because you're a big stand for Max Verstappen but it was just the talent spoke for itself. Mm. And Max, gun- once he gunned it past Checo, it- he played that strategy very well for the fact that he got up there knowing that his rocket ship was flying through the circuit and lapping Latifi and Schumacher and all that. You know, he he did it. He got far enough to do his, you know, t- pit-, pit lane change of his tyres and, you know get back out on top of the race without it Mm -hmm. impeding his position. So, you know, what more could you ask from the race? I mean, we were bloody tired by the end of the race (laughs) because we (laughs) we stayed up. We were
0: very tired. But again, fantastic performance from Max. Yeah. Got to the lead of the Grand Prix after lap 12. um, And then from there, just controlled the race all the way home. Built a, a gap to the field um, and just drove a super sensible race home. Yes. There were a few overtakes, like some interesting uh, Ferrari overtakes where where signs got Vettel into uh, the P f- uh, turns mm-hmm. four and five. Um, Red Bull, the Red Bull crew really allowed Max to get the best opportunity that he could to to win the race as well. That pit stops were fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they completely nailed it. Yes. Um, the, the stops were just out of this world. Um, but it, Max still had some work to do after P, after lapping and getting into lead after 12 laps.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: from that point on, Max had done great stops. He'd built so much pace up. He he was just so fast that it was just kind of set in stone that uh, he was going to win the race. And it looks like here on, on lap 18, he gets DRS down... Uh, the main straight, when Carlos signs and and just takes that takes that lead and mm-hmm. he takes it home. So, uh, lap twelve and lap eighteen gets the pass done for the lead of the race. Uh, the Max supporters just go completely nuts <laughs> in the crowd, um, and he drives a really professional race home for a Red Bull one 2 Yeah, uh, as well. Love so, it. Checo bringing home uh, second place, being a fantastic supporting driver as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: I believe it was their 21st 1 2 position.
0: A 21st 1 2. That's mm-hmm. pretty good that they can now legally go and drink. Hooray! How good's that? I a party for that. God they bless America. Leave. God bless <laughs> <was> America, Philip. <feeling. laughs> <laughs> um, but now, as we can see, yeah, we're just watching the highlights back now. On lap thirty-five is the next highlight, so we jump from lap eighteen to thirty-five Jesus. in the Grand Prix for for highlights.
1: Doesn't that just show you though that there was really nothing else? It was there wasn't too much. So if anything, climb.
0: it was really good that the grid was mixed up because there mightn't have been too much action. So Yay. I'm really interested going into the next round um, of the the championship, and the next round is in the Netherlands, Netherlands um, which would be awesome. So it's Circuit uh, Zandvoort. I think I said that right. Second Four. Really cool circuit. They've got really cool oh, yes. banked corners there um, which is really, really cool to see. Max won there last year quite dominantly which oh, was
1: great. Oh, okay. Um, right. So
0: we'll have to see how it goes but it'll be really, really interesting. I, I'm keen yeah. for them to go back with the new generation um, ground effect cars mm-hmm. uh, to see how they perform there. Yes. And it'll be, it'll be a great race. So bringing that back, our podium our winners for the race, so for our race results, Max bringing it home uh, in P1, followed by Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, uh, the last pay- place on the podium in third. Uh, we'll go through our top 10. So George Russell in fourth, Fernando Alonso fifth, Charles Leclerc sixth, Espen Ocon seventh, Sebastian Vettel eighth, Pierre Gasly ninth. Uh, great drive, actually. Pierre Gasly, a charger. Yeah. What a yeah. charger. Yeah. Starting from the pit lane Blame. to bring it home in mm-hmm. P9 um unsung hero there i'd say that we've we've generally missed that but that's really cool to see pierre there yeah um bringing home a ninth in the points fantastic drive from pierre
1: yeah and even for me like vettel being up there in fifth place at one point i was like good on you mate cuz like
0: good. He, nou- he announced his retirement I a few know. weeks ago and you know you know the sport's better when seb's going good and you know, yeah. it's, um, sad to see like a four-time world champion yeah. winner.
1: He's unreal. Like his career. Um, I mean, I felt like this year he was a bit like, just from what everyone else has told me about his racing skills and stuff. I did feel like he did fall off the ladder a bit, off the horse, um, right? off the horse. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like now because he has announced that retirement, I feel like he's, he's got, got that
0: hunger in a bit more. He's like, yeah, I've only got a few left. I I've, want to drive hard. I need to
1: drive my best. Yeah. But I feel like given his spot in Aston Martin, I know it's not typically the greatest car he could drive, mm. but like I think that he's done really, really well. Like Again, a little bit of an underdog for this race that we haven't really spoken about is you know, Sebastian Vettel and Pierre Gasly. I, and to me as well, Esteban Ocon is doing pretty well for himself.
0: Um, He's, they've got a, Alpine have come a long way. Yeah, they have solidified them as I would say the the fastest mid tier car. Yes, mid tier cars being or mid tier teams, I should say, you know, being Alpine, um, AlphaTauri, yes, uh, and McLaren, those three main teams. There, mm. I would say that out of those three, Alpine have, have really yeah. solidified themselves, and it's really interesting to see Fernando jump to Aston Martin next year to replace Seb. Yes, um, I'm sure we could do a whole episode on. Mm. Um, our thoughts on Oscar Piastri.
1: Oh my god, and yeah. And
0: the Daniel Ricciardo situation, being Aussies and wanting yep. our boys to get along.
1: And actually it's race friendly fires.
0: It's, yeah. it's civil war out there. Like what's doing?
1: <sighs> now I just feel it's, like it's yeah. uh, jumped a different way, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how uh Daniel feels about Oscar taking that seat.
0: it, it doesn't build great animosity. It, it's Mm-mm. a lot of animosity between like you know how Aussie fans are meant to react to that. Like, um, it's it's I've I know I've been. It's like I want Oscar in there so much because mm-hmm. I genuinely think he he could get a world championship for us wow. in a long time. Like he he could bring it home. He F three champion, F two champion, a fantastic driver. He just needs a seat. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate that it comes at the cost of. It yeah. seems like cuz it seems like he will be driving that McLaren next year, yep. Oscar Piastri. Um, you know, it's nothing's been announced I think yet. Um we can double check but I confirm yet. But it just sucks that he's had to, you know, come in there at the cost of one of the most loved Aussie icons, yep. most loved F1 drivers, Ricardo. I mean, no, he's gotten not gotten the results. He had that fantastic Monza win yeah. last year, Ricardo. Just What a race. (laughs) But it just hasn't worked out. Um, However, yeah, we can talk more about Ricardo in a sec, but after that, that was our top 10. Um, Fantastic drive. Again, honorable mentions, Pierre, to start from pit lane and get there. Fantastic drive just shows Mm -hmm. he continues to punch above uh, Yuki Tsunoda while Pierre has much more experience than Yuki. Yuki coming home in 13th, um, both starting from pit lane, but Pierre... May have had some luck, good strategy calls go his way to get there. Um mm-hmm. a fantastic jump for him to get up there. But um really, really interesting race for the first first quarter, mm-hmm. third, uh, but then died off towards the end. But great race uh to watch, I guess. So bringing it to a close now, I want to cover off uh our own personal picks for what we're dubbing racer of the round. Yeah, racer uh, of the round. Racer of the round of who we thought Performed the best over a whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know everyone have the driver of the day right. yep. for who they think did really well for uh, the Grand Prix yes. and who brought it home the best, um, which is fan voted. But we thought we want to give our own opinion on the mm-hmm. race of the round and who thought performed the best. And we think based upon consistency as well, we, we're going to judge a lot of this based on, on consistency and on their overall performance over the weekend. And then our weekend worst as well, who we thought really didn't perform well across the weekend. And to start it off, racer of the round this week, Max Verstappen completely killed it, starts 14th, kills it in qualifying, has a fantastic car underneath him um, and drove it to perfection.
1: Yeah, like honestly... And, again, I wouldn't typically always say that... Uh, I, uh, I, I, won't, I
0: won't, There will not always be Max Mustafa in there. No. It's ironic. It's ironic. I know. It's very
1: ironic. I feel yeah. like you may back him to say every week is a good week for him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: call me out on it.
1: But in saying that, I just generally feel like he did perform a very outstanding mm-hmm. race. Um, And, he, like I said earlier in the podcast is that yeah like he he has awesome skills that has allowed him to win this race and be consistent to show great times in speed and control and driving skills but yeah um but our weekend worst is <laughs> drum roll please <laughs> our own honey badger daniel ricardo <laughs> <Daniel
0: Ricciardo. laughs> taking that
1: fat l
0: uh, the fatty l so ricardo for context started P7. Mm-hmm. We went back, and the reason why we give him the weekend worst is that we went back and looked through practice one, practice two, practice three, and qualifying. then we looked at qualifying and then his race results. So in practice one, uh, he his fastest lap. He was seventh. Mm-hmm. Practice one, coming into practice two, dropped down to ninth. Yeah. Practice three, he then went down to eleventh. Mm-hmm. He was then blessed. Uh, through qualifying because he actually qualified in 11th He got knocked out in q2 remember mm-hmm.
1: yes that's right and
0: he was blessed being pushed up to seventh on the grid
1: mm-hmm.
0: he looks very focused before the race yes. in all honesty, we, we saw that shot of him you know he, he, had, he <laughs> had his headphones <laughs> on he had his beats <laughs> on his honey badger colors he was he was looking really focused really calm he was getting himself in the zone um and then brought it home uh in Really uninspiring (laughs) fifteenth, and maybe that speaks volume of where that car should have been started in the race, which may have been eleventh. I would have hated to have seen where he may have finished if he started eleventh.
1: Yeah.
0: However, I
1: I don't know. He
0: was blessed with a P7 start. Yeah. um, And surely you can get inspired to to push a bit harder. Like I, I. Genuinely, Ricardo's is one of my favorite drivers, of course, mm-hmm. being Australian. Yeah. And I, I, I just want the best for Ricardo to mm-hmm. perform, of course. That's probably why we're being hard. Is, it's just that, you know, you're blessed with P7 and we bring it home in, in P15.
1: Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think with everything going on, I feel like, you know, maybe, I don't know. To me personally, I don't know if McLaren has got the bestest interest for Daniel. Mm. I think the car itself speaks volumes to, you know, what is not his best potential. I think maybe deep down, maybe he says he's, you know, driving with that passion, and I believe he does, but. Whether the confidence behind the car is such, because obviously we don't know the full extent of what's happened behind the scenes with McLaren and no, Daniel, no. but I feel like again
0: a whole episode, I'll a like, whole episode no. with that Australia reacts, Australia
1: reacts <laughs> to Daniel Ricciardo. Um, but I just feel like yeah, I just don't think it was his race. Uh, again, I feel like each time I talk to Lockie about this. We always just say, like, oh God, what's happened with Daniel this week? What's happened with Daniel that week? Yeah. It's just like...
0: In, all of, in Daniel's defense, like, all of this media attention obviously is not great for your mental state. No, Obviously, is not going to make you perform at your best. Um, I would have just loved to have seen him bring it home in the points. Mm-hmm. That would have just been... That would have been great to reinforce himself that, you know, I'm still here. And also show all the other teams that he can perform I mean, he is in the Macla- he is in the McLaren a mm-hmm. great midfield team mm-hmm. and to bring it home in the points I think would have shown people who want to sign him up because mm-hmm. he's still keen to drive to be like yeah hes still got it yeah and um, F1's better when Ricardo's in it of course like he's done so much for the sport the character the personality the smile like God
1: yeah the man Man. and which just
0: we want him to be going good because we want him we want him and Oscar in a seat next year hopefully that yeah that would be, that would be
1: awesome actually having two Aussies, two Aussies. in like, formula 1 on, that'd, that'd be, be sick but you know another thing that will lead into another episode is talking about Gunther Steiner <laughs> and how he may be, just maybe
0: Ricardo de Haas, mm. really interesting pairing. Really I would, interesting. Would have never imagined it. Um, I think the more likely direction for Ricardo is Alpine.
1: Yeah, it would seem straightforward, right? Like straightforward. Oscar ditches Alpine for McLaren potentially. So yeah. why doesn't you know? You know, Ricardo being ditched from McLaren to I go mean, straight there. Yeah. And to me, I feel like the style of car that Alpine has actually suits. Uh, Daniel's Um, driving. Then a McLaren. I think that jump. What from Red Bull to McLaren, wasn't it?
0: No, he he went. So it went Red Bull to Renault, the old. Oh yes, yeah. Um, the old rename until the rebrand to Alpine. Alpine, yeah. To McLaren, and now you know going back to Alpine, I think would you know be a nice homecoming for Daniel. Absolutely knows the team. Yeah. Uh, and they can discuss things from there. So, but
1: yeah, very interesting. I mean, we'll see in a couple of weeks' time if Daniels even going to come back next year. Like I know he said in a video he wants to do the Las Vegas race before he retires. Because um, again, wouldn't that be awesome to drive mm-hmm. the first circuit ever? You know, exactly in yeah, Formula to, to One. Go
0: back to Las Vegas. That's, I think that's Daniel's home. Seriously. If, you, if, you, if I was to genuinely pair a, a city to, to Ricardo, it's Las Vegas. Viva like Las Vegas. Like <laughs> he, he would go nuts in Las Vegas. Like yeah. He'd have you know, the honey badger would be off the leash in, <laughs> in Las
1: Vegas. <laughs> Drunken badger. Crazy, um, crazy. But yeah, like we can go into a conversation about next year predictions, I guess, because not all Definitely. seats are confirmed.
0: No, not all things are confirmed. I think. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely do an end of year recap yeah. around what we thought of the season. That's it. Um, definitely do some predictions next season as mm-hmm. to who we think uh, is going to get up and yeah, and, and things like that, and and cover those off. But I think that brings us to the end of our first episode. So wow, who that,
1: was, who that was
0: who would have thought that's our first episode of overlapped for the twenty twenty two Belgian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, great first twelve laps. Not so great, uh, last 32 laps yes. <laughs> of the Grand Prix, but really interesting race. Had a lot of action, and um, yeah. So thanks so much for listening in. Really do appreciate it. Uh, we'll bring you a preview mm-hmm. uh, this week of the next round, which is the Netherlands uh, circuit Zandvoort. Zandvoort, I. <laughs> Z- Zandvoort, I think it's Zandvoort Zandvoort um, oh, Aussie is just butchering butcher uh, language. Butchering awesome. languages, great um, But yeah, we'll bring a preview of that I've got some interesting things that we're going to cover off in there as well yeah. around A cool competition that we think we're going to run between our, ourselves and,
1: Yep, and, and kind of get audience engagement back But we'll explain that next episode But yeah, it's been awesome doing this um, first ever episode for our um, Overlapped podcast and there's more to come, um, you know, as we build our audience up and viewers and listeners, you know, there'll be more things to come with this, but we are trying to aim for two episodes a week, you know, with a preview of practice and then our... uh, perspective and reaction from um, the qualifying and the actual the race itself. Race. Yeah. So yeah, like stay tuned and yep, you've got an Aussie perspective. So the
0: Aussie perspective. Of
1: the Aussie perspective, Lacking
0: the Aussie the Aussie recognition. Yes. The Aussie recognition, but yeah, I couldn't say it any better myself. Thanks for joining me today Jess and That's uh, right. we'll we'll see you guys next time.
1: All right. See ya.
0: Catch ya.